Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode 61. Roger Maris. If you don't like baseball or if you're not a New York Yankee fan, you may not care, but... I don't know. That was the first thing that popped into my head. We're just uh, we're hanging out, and having fun today. Uh, thanks for for joining us. Sixty one episodes, countless hours. I can't count them. Hence the countless of talking about Guns N' Roses and talking to just different personalities inside the world of um, GNR. And and today is no different. Uh, you, you guys are going to be my co-hosts slash slash guests today, and that's going to be uh, Appetite for Destruction. A tribute band for for GNR. You guys can say hello. It's okay. Hey, hey, hey what's hey, up? Hey, what's going on? Great yeah. to be here. Great to be here. Oh, you got, yeah. You had a deep voice, Axel Rob. Well, you know, you try to be as authentic as you can. You know, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And w- before we get into shotgun news and get into your story, so we know who is who. I guess we're gonna do what we did in elementary school and just go around round robin of just say your name and who you are. But I guess we can just easily start with. Rob. I am Rob Pfeffer, and I play Axel. Hey, dude. I'm Mike, and I play Duff. Andrew, and I'm Izzy. John Ricotta. I do Slash. And then we got Dan in the corner with, in, uh, with the tambourine. I'll lean over. I'm Dan in the corner with the tambourine. <laughs> He's you. our West Arkeen. Yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully not completely. We want you to... <laughs> well, that's a, a morbid joke. I awkwardly start everything. Uh, every podcast in a very awkward way. But uh, again, uh, thanks for, for joining us, and I appreciate you guys coming down in the studio. I know uh, most of you are from Long Island, just like I am. I know Rob is from uh, Brooklyn, where I'm kind of, my family's from, so I know the Dem Parks. Well, I'm from Long Island, but oh. I've been in Brooklyn 20 years now, so okay. me, I'm, I don't uh, reject my homeland. Okay, so, so we're all Long Islanders, though, but I'm the only Long Island Jew, yes? Half a Jew, half a Jew what's over the, here. What's so. the other half? Uh, regular Christian, whatever oh, they want so to you're, call you're, a, you're a cashew. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Monday, yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, all right. It's great. So you guys are going to be, uh, this is going to be a, a fun episode. And if you haven't, uh, we just did a Facebook Live before you guys doing I Used to Love Her uh, as a little bit of a teaser. Of course, when this episode is up and posted, you will know about the Facebook Live. Uh, but I try to do this as much in real time as possible. And a little bit later on in the episode, we're going to be doing some uh, some more songs. And uh, you know when I teased you guys coming up, you, everyone's like, "This is these guys are the real deal." What like a great live band this is. Uh, so again, we're gonna get into your story, but first, since you guys are here, you guys are my guests slash co-hosts. Uh, that means you're gonna be part of news. Yeah, my my stupid sound bites, my little news segments. Yeah. yeah, they make it everything. They make everything. Yeah, I, I appreciate I, that. Yeah, I'm no uh, I'm no Howard Stern. I'm no Fred Norris. I'm no Fred Norris. We were talking about Howard Stern a little bit before uh, we got on the air. But uh, in shotgun news, of course, got to start it off with uh, thanks to Alternative Nation. Uh, we're partner- partnering up with them, uh, and they just put an article out about our last episode with uh, Johnny Kelly from uh, Typo Negative from Danzig. Of course, the GNR tie is with Hookers and Blow. I know you guys have 
play with hookers and blow and, and dizzy reed so i'm sure we'll get to plenty of those stories very controversial mm. it was a very controversial evening to be honest but we can get to that later <laughs> it's hookers and blow how could it not be hookers and i played with blow <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh but the the article that because of course he's not going to write about the entire two hours we spoke with with johnny but uh, this can lean into what we're going to talk about with you guys so i think it's pertinent um it was when i asked johnny about you know, like what Alice in Chains has done, what SDP has done. When a member, when the lead singer dies, can you continue? And it's been, I think it's been eight years since we lost uh, Peter Steele. And, you know, every band is different. You know, when I interviewed Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon, who actually I'm going to be seeing here in the city uh, on Wednesday, they never, they thought they were done, but they just happened to come across a guy that we can make music with him again. Oh, they replaced Shannon Hoon. I didn't realize that. Yeah, this yeah. Guy, a guy named Travis. who was, I don't know, a handful of years ago. Mm. And, you know, Chris was, it's, it's not a money-making thing for him. He was making, he was being a producer, making a lot of money. And he's like, ah, these are songs I still want to play. Uh, the Shannon died and never got a chance to play. So everyone has their own reasons. So um, I'm, this was what was transcribed by uh, Brett from an Alternative Nation. So if you're lazy and you don't want to uh, listen to the episode, uh, so check that out. But uh, if you did listen or didn't, this is what Johnny had to say when I asked him if he ever thought about, you know, pulling an Alice in Chains, pulling an STP. For us, it, it was literally like, you know, like a two-sentence conversation. We were like, you know, that's it. <laughs> mm. that's it there's like you know there, there's no recovering from this this is like you know like and you can't you can't take that element out of typo negative and call it typo negative you can't it's hard to argue with that and that's you can't like, how do you replace Peter Steele but then again how do you replace Lane Staley but Allison Chains has put out great music since uh, STP for me it seems like it was a little too soon but that again, that's me. I don't know the healing process. Uh, but for you guys, and we'll talk about that. You know what? What was Guns and Roses? You know, you guys were holding the flag high, while there was no Guns and Roses. You've been doing it for for twenty years. I know Axel uh, Axel Rob calling you Axel already. <laughs> uh, Rob, you you know you're what like eight, eight years ago you joined. So. I, I, yeah, I got in the band about eight years ago. So like I said before, I'm just the new guy and. Uh, I think Johnny's most well-equipped to give you the early uh, idea of what it was like getting it together. Um, why don't you sh- shed some light on yeah, that, Yeah, well, Mike and I uh, were the last two original members of the band going back to our first gig in May. Was it May 30th? Yeah, I think so. May, May 30th. 30th of 98. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not to go too deep, but I think as you were kind of intimating, we uh, we our inception was based on the fact that GNR was just not out there. I mean, I, one of my favorite shows back from when you know, I was a teenager, I saw Snake Pit at Irving Plaza in 95. Mm-hmm. And that was, and you know, when they went into, uh, they played My Michelle, they did a little riff from My Michelle, and the place just erupted. That was kind of what I was looking for in a show, and GNR wasn't out there. So when Mike and I and our original singer got together, we said, hey, why don't we try this idea? And that was, it was very kind of impromptu, and just, you know, we'll do it like a one off, and went yeah. from a one off to 20 years later. Yeah. Just- Let's go have some fun. We'll see what happens. No, it's crazy. In a lot of lineups, um, you know, and this is how it ties into you guys, when Axel just came back with, 
you know, with Bucket and Brain and different variations. It was Dee Snyder that called it Rose and Roses, mm-hmm. or you know, a lot of these older bands. I mean, I, you know, I love Alex Grassi and Quiet Riot, but is it Quiet Riot? A lot of right. you know, flippant comments like it's, it's just a tribute band with some of these. You know, um, I'm just trying to even like with Fleetwood Mac going out now. It's it's weird. I think it, some bands get uh, get a pass for when they replace someone like ACDC, obviously, Brian Johnson, when he came in. I mean, that he picked up the slack. I mean, people are Bond fans through and through. Sure. But Brian came in and, you know, I think they knew that if they were going to go on without, you know, Brian, they're going to have to have a name. So. The ACDC thing, they knew they had to go for a big name with Axel and whatnot. So, and right. So, is it going to be an ACDC cover band? Should they rename it? So, these are all the things. This is how it ties into you guys, and you guys have been holding it. That you guys are a tribute band, mm-hmm. and is that how does that compare to a band that's still holding on to the name and the members have changed? So that's a part of Shotgun News. And the second part, uh, I know you, we talked about a little bit off the air, so I know you guys know some of the announcement that Steven Adler made. It was supposed to be a secret, his band. That's what I was told initially when I interviewed Alex Grassi. Even uh, Chips Enough said the same thing. They're not going to announce the singer until they hit the stage uh, at the Whiskey May 10th. Uh, that did not last because of the crazy GNR fans from my GNR forum and a uh, great Facebook page, uh, Not In This Lifetime, that they're looking at the shoes, because all they would show when they would do Facebook Live, they would show, you know, of course, Adler drumming and everything, and they would show the singer from, like, the ankles down, which sounds weird out of context. But <laughs> they're showing his boots, and for some reason, someone else had their eye on Constantine Maroulis. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. I should know how to pronounce his name, because he's going to be an upcoming guest, actually, uh, as I post this, which is amazing. So, <laughs> yes, Constantine Maroulis from uh, American Idol. Uh, he's done Broadway since then. He is the brand new lead singer uh, for Adler's Appetite. I, I, I guess that's the name. It's still going to be Adler's Appetite. I don't know if it's going to form into something else. These are things I, I want to ask Constantine if they're going to make new music, if this is just going to be a GNR thing. We'll see. Uh, but the other members they did also announce, I guess they just figured we're caught. Fuck it. Let's just announce everything. Uh, so they got uh, Carl Restivo. Uh, rhythm guitar, and he was, uh, I mean, these are all really, you know, well, these guys have great resumes. Uh, Tom, he was in Tom Morello's uh, The Night Watchman, uh, Perry Farrell's uh, Satellite Party, and he was in Rihanna. So, I mean, he, he he's good. Uh, Sean McNabb, I don't think he's related to Donovan. Donovan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's bass, Quiet Riot back in the day, and also Dokken, and uh, Michael Thomas, uh, lead guitar from Faster Pussycat, and uh, Bang Tango. So that oh. rounds up. Uh, the new Adler's Appetite, and that's going to be May 10th, Whiskey Go-Go. And I'm also very excited because uh, our friends uh, in in Classless Act slashes a kids band, London Hudson, the drummer, Nico Sangaris, they were a guest. That's their first official show, which is just, so. I'm so happy for them. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of, you know, we talk about Facebook Live, they're big on Instagram. They're finally on Twitter, but they're big on Instagram. They're always doing live uh, video. So I was watching them rehearse, and they have an awesome singer. So I just can't wait to see them just uh, just kick ass. And the young kids, uh, you know, bring in rock and roll. Too much of the SoundCloud rap and Cardi B these days. I can't handle it. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. that concludes uh, Shotgun News. News. So I want to get into Appetite for Destruction. How did you guys come up with that name? Oh my god! <laughs> you know it's funny. You know, appetite for distortion. I'm just thinking like radio e. How do I do that? But 
how many when you guys started 1998 i was let me see i was 15 so i think i was a freshman in high school not to make you guys feel bad yeah yeah Older, older. We, okay. are, we are older. I'm still the youngest. I'm still the youngest in the band, so I'll take that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, we were seniors in we were high seniors school. Seniors in high school, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, um, I guess, like, where did you? I know we're all from Long Island, but who are you? Like, were you guys at the time? Were you, you know, were you stockbrokers? Were you like, what mm. were you? What were you guys doing? Then all of a sudden, like, just were you in other bands? Like, how did this? How did the the, uh, the story start? You guys are pointing at each other. Yeah. Well, start. Like, my my cousin and I were um, in an original band together, and, uh, and Mike. This, and this is also John who plays Slash. Yes, not nice. not quite the main. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Mike and Andrew were in an original band together, and um, Bill, our original singer, uh, he was the guy that would do the axle, and then we were at parties every once in a while. We would just joke around. I would do the Slash parts, and he would do the axle, and he would he would do a great axle impression, and then from that point, the I guess the conversation was had. Why don't we just do a one off show? And um, shortly after the band started, um, my cousin moved, and uh, Andrew joined the band like less than a year after we started. So, Andrew was effectively the uh, closest, the next closest thing to an original member. Yeah, that that works. I guess it, you're kind of. I know you're the uh, the Izzy, but I guess it was kind of like how you know Rob Gardner was the original drummer, but I guess he wasn't in it for too long. So I guess you can be kind of like that. And I knew how to play all the songs already, so it was a seamless transition. Yeah, I heard he used to be the, the guy in front of the stage. You know that guy. <laughs> he was the guy at the, yeah. front of the, the old stage shows. Holding yeah, right. Play yeah. this song. And it's like, oh, Screaming that's 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 got to be our next rhythm guitarist so right there. We really had to decide: man. do we yeah. want him in the band or do we want to keep him out, like <laughs> like out on the floor, to, like because he would bring everybody to the front of the stage. Yeah. You know, there would always be the uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the something of fear. What do you call it? Circle, Circle of fear in front. Fear. Where you have yeah. to. Drew uh, had no fear. Yeah, every band needs a cheerleader to get everybody up there. Yeah. Why Guns N' Roses? Uh, why that band? Because that's you know the first episode when I was with Scott. It's like, why are we doing a podcast about Guns N' Roses? So I mean, I've, I don't want to bore people with my story again. But when I saw, it was a different Axel at the time because this was several years ago when I saw Appetite for Destruction at a place on Long Island called the Downtown. Nice little club, but <clears throat> a lot like a lot of places like BB King's now. Uh, mm-hmm. Just. Places with live music is shut down. I don't know. It's just awful. But this was years ago. So I saw you with a, a Van Halen cover band, Mammoth. And at that time, like this is the closest I'm ever going to get to be to see Guns N' Roses or Van Halen. Little did I know that I would get to see Van Halen at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Guns N' Roses with the, you know, reunion, air quote, you know, the three reunion. Uh, so that was all those years ago. So they chose Van Halen for a reason. Why did you guys choose Guns N' Roses? Why'd you go, Rob? I, I, I just think it, it landed at the formative time in life when you're in your early teens, when they really hit, and MTV was sort of in its heyday. And uh, MTV gave you just enough to um, really stay interested without blowing it out of the water. Like these days, you can get everything you want, any information online right away, any video, news is all over the place. But MTV kind of spooned them, that spoon fed them to us. And um, they were that bridge between hair metal and their Nirvana thing. They don't get enough credit for that, by the way. But um, just, uh, I'm going to reiterate what everyone else, that raw, gritty street, oh my God, this is not a typical hair band going on there. And... I think we were all around the same age, yeah. and when you are in your early teens, if a band speaks to you, 
it remains with you for the rest of your life. And that's kind of where I'm still doing it and I'm 41 years old. <laughs> yeah, we're the same age. The, the same idea. I mean, the GNR just kind of spoke to me as that band that, for whatever reason, just the type of music and, I mean, the unforgettable, you know, vocals from Axel and, and the guitar. I mean, there's there was so much, I mean, there's so many guitar virtuosos that, you know, came out that day that, you know, that would, would speak to me. But then that perfect combination of, you know, that type of music and, and vocals just just latched on to me. And I just, since then, they've just always been my, been my favorite band. It's one it, thing, go ahead. You can, no, I was going to say, it's did the musician musicianship in the band. You know, just the way Slash played, it didn't sound like the other guitarists at the time. Or the way Duff was playing. You know, it was, it, it was a different type of music. It wasn't just like simple power chords and just, you know, just singing over it and stuff like that. It was just, you know, it had, it had depth into it that other bands really just didn't have at the time. I think that's a depth. That's a great way to describe it, you know. The way that Axel, that uh, Slash and Izzy sort of weave in and out of one another in a not-so-traditional rhythm lead relationship, um, you know, that type of thing. And obviously Axel's undeniable original voice, which is really the most important thing in rock. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who find it grating, but when it speaks to you and you're like, oh, I want more of that, and I think it, you know, is why millions and millions of fans. <laughs> it's <Right>. easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, of course. That's uh, exactly how I felt, you know, even being a little bit younger. And I kind of came, became conscious of them more so after they had broken up. Mm. You know, this was post. I mean, MTV was still playing videos at the time, but this was just like after the fact. I grew up with, you know, like Green Day was on the MTV all the time. So they were kind of maybe like my first rock love. But there was something about GNR that even resonated even deeper. But there's something that goes into like when I, I had uh, Paradise Kitty come on. The uh, the all female uh, GNR tribute band because I always think of the movie Rockstar. There's something that goes into being in a tribute band, and is cover band a, a dirty phrase? I don't get offended. No, but you may ask these gentlemen. <laughs> no, I don't, feel that way. no, it's it's not an offensive term. It, it's kind of uh, we're ambivalent towards it. I don't think there's any kind of uh, you know hatred no. for the term. No, no, yeah, not at all. Consider no. us a tribute band. I mean, if someone calls us a cover band, you know, yeah, I mean, we're it, a tribute band. I think that's right. a product of what they, how they build it in the movie, where he got offended in the right. movie. Sure. And so, by right. by de facto, are we supposed to be def- offended? I mean, we know there's an element of tongue-in-cheek involved in this, obviously. But, mm. um, so if you can't have a sense of humor about it, or if you're going to get offended by that, I mean, it's like, come on, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Well, it's like some people get offended by uh, hair metal, where mm. it's supposed to be, what is it, supposed to be power like arena rock you know it's just like a different phrase hmm. right having a sense of humor about it is definitely uh important <laughs> but it was one thing when you said you were you know like at your friend's party and you know let's just have like a one-off show and it could be a fun thing to do in your early 20s you're doing this 20 years later what goes into wanting to be in a tribute band so was it you know you had your your normal life your normal nine to five and it's like okay i don't want to be in an actual I don't want to say that's that's offensive. I don't want to be in an, like an original band and make that my career. This is something I always want to have as a a, a fun thing I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, I, like, what was the thought process? I guess going, you know, to make that kind of a commitment. Well, we've all done the original band thing. Rob, uh, probably the most successful out of all of us in terms of you know how how far he got with that whole process. But it kind of, I mean, this is more of a fun thing for all of us, where we're you know we love the music, we love hanging out, and if we get the opportunity to play on a stage where, for example, as an original band, we might not have that kind of forum to play. I mean, how can you not sign up for that? Yeah, and, and you know, the nostalgia that comes along with uh, the crowd 
they're, they're interested in the people are our age now. They want to see the music they grew up with. And, sure. you know, these bands are getting older and less less accessible to go out and see at a reasonable price. I'm not saying we have any way or shape or form of replacing them, but... You know, I, I, I joined the band because I had just finished up trying to do my own thing in the rock and roll industry sure. and uh, they happened to need a singer and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I can go in there if I get the gig, obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Thank you for making me just show up for shows. And uh, it's still a great way to perform. And it was one thing I, I, I knew I could do well. And just to see how people still have an affinity for music uh, uh, from the 80s, that you know they're just going to keep coming out to shows i'll take it sounds good great way to perform and the other part of it too and not to get up on my tribute band uh soapbox or anything but we i mean we all we love the music but we're not just doing this for just fun we want to be authentic we want to nail it we're trying to get the music as exact as possible so that that fan that comes out there that may not be able to see the original band we're you know we're trying to give them that experience so no you're right and again well i was gonna say that's that's what kept us going John just said there for 20 years. We wanted to give people what they weren't able to see for such a long time there. I mean, 98, there was no GNR. 99, there was no GNR. You know, would, you know, 2000, 2001, we started hearing from Axel again. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was, what was it, that, the MTV Awards? Yeah, 02. Round yeah. one. <laughs> Round <Right>. one. <laughs> yeah, you're right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, was, I mean, I was pumped for that, too. When I, I knew oh, Slash was the greatest band, moment ever. But Jimmy Fallon's <laughs> out there with the GNR shirt underneath his jacket mm-hmm. and then he announces and like what the hell is this and axel's out of breath um at paradise city i mean yeah. you know he wasn't really ready for it i didn't think so but man how, how exciting was that as a gnr fan you know, we were gnr fans and we we're enthusiastic about seeing gnr ourselves you know seeing gnr on the vma right. awards we you know we got to see something we wanted to see that we haven't mm-hmm. seen in a long time we like to dress but- up in wigs i mean there's a lot of fans there's a lot of these kids that came out to the shows that loved seeing GNR, they love GNR. I mean, right. our, uh, you know, our buddy JT, you know, yeah. he kept us, mm-hmm. you know, alive for a long time because he, him and his friend came out and they love GNR, you know, and JT plays keys for us. Yep. And, uh, you know, they, they just love GNR. They wanted to see it and they couldn't see it. So we just wanted to bring that to people. Right. Yeah. Those are the guys that are, you know, at our gig that are shouting for the most more or less obscure song that, you know, 95% of the crowd may not know. They're asking for B-sides off of, off of stuff that, you know, we've, either never played before or no one else is, is too familiar with. But as, as GNR fans, we can relate to that and we can appreciate that. And it's, it's fun. I, I like it. No, it, this is a, like, how did also that, um, before I, I lose the thought, how did that VMAs affect you guys live? Now, I mean, not just like as a, as a fan, but just as, as going out. Cause you were just the only GNR game in town. And I told you, I went with one of my best friends, Chris to the downtown and Van Halen's his favorite band. Guns N' Roses is my favorite band. And that was kind of like a cathartic experience and a cathartic and sad experience. I'm like, this is the closest we're ever going to get to see. Cause we would see David Lee Roth. Um, the, the, the theater has changed a bunch of times. The NYCB theater, the theater at Westbury or whatever. It's like yeah. a, a circular, it's a small little arena, not arena, a little theater. Westbury yeah. Music Fair. Westbury, Westbury, in the round. Westbury Music yeah. Fair now. Whoever mm-hmm. buys it, you know, whoever is yeah. sponsor rights, <laughs> uh, has a rotating uh, yeah, theater uh, in the round. stage. And that's when he was still holding on to his hair uh, and just didn't shave it or, you know, the... He didn't get the, the wig that he has now and has the surgery. I've talked about my stuff, so I'm not casting any stones. But that's when he had, like, the doll hair still going. And he put on a great show, but it wasn't, you know, him and Eddie. Mm-hmm. We, we're never going to see that. 
when I went to go see, uh, you know, when GNR came back with Bucket and you know, and, and Robin Fink, I'm like, this is I get to see Axel. Yeah, but that was like what 2006. That was um. Well, the Hammerstein well, ones. Well, oh, well, that, that was, two. That was, oh, two. That was, yeah, that okay. was the Chinese Democracy Tour, oh, okay. and that yeah. was the last show, because they were supposed to be in Philly the next night, and then the whole thing was canceled. Yep. Oh, that's right. The this is the Conan O'Brien yeah. one, where he was like, Conan was making fun of him, and he, he dressed the crowd. He's like, this is for Conan O'Brien. Yeah. It's like a bag of donuts or something. It's a special Yeah, the yeah, with, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And uh, my first introduction to the Buckethead, who I recently just saw, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy handing out toys? Mm. I'm like, it was an awesome show, but yeah. it wasn't, I'm never going to see Axel and Slash together. Right. So, well, guess, that's that's kind of how we felt, going back to the VMAs thing that you asked, that's, I kind of equated almost to the reunion, the, you know, the Not In This Lifetime tour. When that happened, you're so excited to see them, but it's not exactly what you want, but you're still, the excitement outweighs the, you know... I wish it was the original guys thing. That's that's kind of how how you justify it in your brain. I mean, it is Axel and Dizzy, and then and Bucket and everybody else, and now it's and it's a closer now with you know Axel Slash and Duff and and Dizzy and everybody else. But that was how I kind of felt back then. I think. How did it affect you? Um, I guess audience wise and people going out to see you because that's what I said before. You were the only G in our game in town. Now at that point in O two, uh, Dreadlocked Axel was was back. And there were some Guns N' Roses. Tickets prices were expensive. Did you find yourself getting more attention at that time, or was there any difference? More excitement? Was, yeah. was there any vibe around? I the think band? it sustained us yeah. at the very least. Like it really got you know. It, it was building up. Right. Like two thousand one, two thousand two. We started mm-hmm. hearing about him again. Then they started talking about Velvet Revolver, and all of a sudden that started coming out, and there was a whole interest in the, you know, the revival of GNR. Then. Um, was it around 2004, I think, when we started, uh, when we did the first show, B.B. King? 2006. Yeah. 2006, right? Mm-hmm. So that's Oh, you guys it, have played B.B. Kings, right? Yeah, yeah. we played B.B. Kings. We started in 2006, and we played, uh, I think we played five or six years in a row, right, B.B. Kings? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they it gave was, us- It was always a great crowd there, and people were coming in there, and it was, people, I guess people just wanted to see GNR. They yeah, were, March, March of 06 was our first show at B.B.'s, and we sold it out, and it was- That's bedroom. impressive. Just, just, just crazy, just, you know- Barricades, cop cars, horses, lines outside. It was, I mean, probably our best New York City experience, I mean, in a, in a long time. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was because of that show that, that got us, uh, you know, got us the recognition that we, uh, you know, that we were able to uh, continue and, and, and land Rob. But to expound on the one thing about when, uh, in this incarnation of the reunion, the quote-unquote three-fifths real reunion, mm-hmm. we've definitely seen an uptick in our quality of venues and the places okay. and the interest it's it's been a boon for us i mean the last two years we are playing the best venues we've ever played um and i think it's obviously in conjunction with a renewed interest in the band because they're around again it's not a we know it's not a competition but if people are going out and they're going to see them in july and then they may be like oh i remember that gun show that was awesome i'm going to go again and see this tribute band in september or something like that yep. so yeah because it's an environment like you know, of course, it's uh, a lot less money. Uh, a mortgage is probably a lot less money than seeing you know the Guns and Roses. Seriously, but it's the environment they've they created. When I went to go see them, I don't know if you went to go uh, in MetLife. Yeah, uh, ninety nine degrees out that night. <laughs> it was just the environment. It's something I I hadn't experienced in a long time. Just that the positive energy 
was there and we made a thing of it at MetLife. We actually all got got there early. We brought our acoustics just like we have now, and we we all jammed in the. We got like around four tents together. And oh, nice! Got a little jam session going in the parking lot. That oh, I'm was, sorry, I missed that. That was a lot of fun. The show was an amazing experience. Yeah, that mm-hmm. Saturday night show, just hanging out there and hanging out the whole day, drinking, then going in watching the show. That's how I feel, you know, when I uh, I remember because I, I, it was a while ago, but I really enjoyed your show. And that's why I've, I've followed you guys for this time. And I, I think I, I've mentioned you guys on the podcast, you know, earlier in the episodes uh, that it just it's creates this great positive environment, whether they're, you know, Axel is present or not. And you guys are also presenting the musicianship. It's not like you guys are just up there drunkenly, you know, singing Sweet Child of Mine like right. a bunch of sorority girls. Yeah, that's a mishmash of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... We're not one of those tribute bands, that, and this is where it gets a little dicey, tribute bands that, that they hear the music and they say, is there a demand for that? And they say, yeah, yeah, I can play that. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then you get that kind of half-assed, they're playing the parts not exactly right, they're extending the parts that aren't supposed to be extended, and, you know, that's... We try to stay away from that kind of a tribute band. I like to think that we, um, you know, we're, we're critical. We we want to hear things played a certain way. You were mentioning Van Halen. I'm a big Van Halen fan, so I want to see the guy if he's going to do eruption. I want to see the guy tap exactly the same way Eddie's doing it. Sure. I want to use the the Marshall amp and the uh, you know all the effects to make it sound like that. It's a little bit off. As a fan, I'm going to notice. Right. So I feel the mm-hmm. same way for Appetite. We would we want to get it as close as possible. To you know, live what GNR does or yep. on the albums. What about uh, dressing up and, and, and assuming the characters? Because of course you guys can be yourselves and, and be a great band in itself. But there's something go. I mean, I you know I love dressing up Halloween and all that, so I'm I'm into it. But what was the thought process of of making that decision? <laughs> that was kind of gradual, right? We kind of we were very loose at the beginning. We just did the music in the beginning. Then um, you know it was actually right around Halloween. Went to a Halloween store and there was a wig that was what Diana Ross. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, this would be great for John and, and you know, and just like here you go, John. We played it someplace in Brooklyn. I don't remember where it was, Red Hook, Brooklyn, or something like I that. I remember. It was. I don't remember when it was. And we gave it like, here you go. And we just stuck it on. Like, here you go, play the show now. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it started. And it With got Diana gradual. Ross hair. The <laughs> Diana Ross wig and yeah. uh, and yeah. then that. Then uh, it's like, all right, well. Got the wig, you got to get the hat. That's right. Uh-huh. And everyone else is like, well, you know, Mike, you, you look nothing like Duff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's try a blonde wig out. And uh, That's right. It's, it absolutely lends to it. If, if someone I told me tomorrow does. we could just get up here in our, you know, polo shirts and right. do what we got to do, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, right. you know, you got to bring it. It's very uh, tongue-in-cheek. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, we know we're not Guns N' Roses and... Right, but you at know. the same time, I'm hunting for, you know, I'm looking at old pictures from old, you know, Hit Parader magazines and saying, oh, there's the, you know, um, you know, shit happens button that slash ad. I got to find that on eBay. I mean, there's that kind of stuff that we're looking for that, you know, those little touches of uh, authenticity that we try to hit. Some of us are a little more obsessed with that than others. I, yeah, was, was that detail a little bit obsessed? Was that <laughs> no. A little See, too much? I, there might have been a point that I would have said yes, but from doing this podcast, now 61 episodes, No. <laughs> Guns N' Roses fans are like, like nothing I, I've ever experienced. I thought, obviously, I thought I was a Guns N' Roses fan and doing a podcast about it. But just all the little details of what they wore, haircuts, all these things. It's just that's, yeah. I think that that adds to it. I think that just adds to the allure of what you do. Yeah, a lot of it's you can be tongue in cheek, but the music is not tongue in cheek. The musicianship is not tongue in cheek. But mm-hmm. all those little, little things. I think fans uh, appreciate, and it's like you know what these guys. 
care. These guys really do care about the band. They do pay attention. This it adds to the experience. Yeah, and it's it's cool and surreal at the same time. That after a show, we'll, you know, fans sticking around and they want to take pictures with us and in our costumes and wigs and stuff. I mean, that's that's weird, but still very <laughs> cool that they had that much fun that they want to say, "Oh my God, this guy looks just like Slash." Looks like, actually, let's let's take a picture with these guys. I mean, that's never something that we aspired to do or or, or happen, but it's pretty cool. Anyone drunk enough to be like to think that you actually were Slash or <laughs> Duff or anyway anyone? Real- well, John John definitely looks as close to any of the members when he's in full costume. Yeah, well, I not, mean, not all of now. us could use yeah. a little help. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, it's never going to really work for me. But not that you don't look lovely, Mike, when Drew. Don't, don't get me wrong. But John John definitely has the look down the best. Well, it's pretty easy just to put a wig on and hide your face and put a top hat on and a leather jacket and a vest. That's Anyone could do that. But it's more than that, Johnny. It's the, the stances and uh, not just any shirt. Mm-hmm. What shirt is it? Pepe Le Pew. Well, you got Pepe the Pepe Le Pew. Le Pew from and the, what from show the, is it? What show do you have a Pepe Le Pew shirt? That's the Tokyo from Tokyo, the Usual sure. Illusion Tour. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And everybody knows the Tokyo shirt. Yeah, and that's the one that, I mean, I, I used Things to alternate like that, a lot, yeah. but that's the one that I go to the most because it seems to be the most recognizable. But, yeah. Yeah. That's, see, all those things I I would notice. You know, even I, I, you know, I now admit to, you know, especially being in on like my GNR forum and things like where yeah. the hyper nerd is. I have those Tokyo DVDs, and if I go to see, like, oh, that's so cool. He's wearing the Pepe Le Pew t-shirt. Yep. So that's in addition to, yeah, you guys sound great. That's something else that that would I would leave with. Like, you know, yeah, these guys, these guys get it. That's the first thing we want people to know is that we're we're fans. We're not. This is not just like a job or like just you know something that we do on weekends. We're we're fans of the band first and foremost, and then musicianship and. You know, accuracy and you know, authenticity that all comes right after. But there's a, there's a Comic Con aspect to it. You know, people yeah, who are really that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, there there certainly is, and, and people appreciate going over the top, and they look, you know, when they can look past the fact that you're wearing a wig and say, "Oh, that's great for a completely different reason." Oh yeah, these guys are trying and they play well. Let's right. keep going. You know, it's exactly it's, it's, the, it's that's a microcosm about the whole tribute. Yep. Uh, scene yeah, is the, all about the cosplay that, so, aspect yeah. definitely comes it's, into play and you don't become just background noise to people at the bar people are paying attention yep. and i think that that's uh that's super important as well well that depends where we're playing <laughs> <laughs> so have we, we i i know i got once like some messages from people who saw you in boston so like where have you where have you traveled to where have you have you been playing we've been up i mean uh, we've been up the east coast pretty significantly i mean we we hit maine we, we hit you know we're all over the tri-state and we try to we stick close to home pretty much. I mean, most of us are you know pretty domesticated with families and uh, and jobs. So we're we're in the tri-state area for the most part, but we'll you know we'll travel anywhere that makes sense. I think you know, we've gotten offers for like Dominican Republic to go over there. We've gotten offers going down to Florida, California, but it has to fit in, unfortunately, too. We got an offer for a bar mitzvah off an island off the coast of East Africa recently, I think, <laughs> which nice. was... Yeah, that that would have been fun to work out. Too yeah. bad that one didn't work yeah. out. It was yeah. like with Paradise Kitty. They're based out of L.A., but then they got some offers to come out to the East Coast, so you never know, and that's that's also another tribute band, so it's it's not far-fetched to think that these things are possible. Do you guys... Is there like a community of, of tribute bands? You know, like if there are ones... Overseas, because I think I have some tribute bands that follow uh, AFD on on Twitter from other countries. Do you 
Is there any some sort of secret society of, <laughs> of tribute bands? Or? I think it's I think it's regional, and Long Island is an absolute hotbed of tribute bands. Right. People come out mm. for that stuff, and I, I don't know if it's like there in other parts of the country, but we've had good camaraderie with a bunch of other tributes from Long Island, and so I know that. Um, mm. But as far as being a cultish situation where we go to meetings no one <laughs> garb. I don't, I don't necessarily know if, if that exists. League yeah. <laughs> Justice League of yeah. Tribute Bands. Justice League of Tribute. You got actually planted a nice seed. There should be like a Comic Con of rock bands. Like, yeah, I love it. Why, yeah. why not? I mean, people... My costume wouldn't win, but <laughs> I, I, w- I would love to see anybody who can pull it off. You see all the time, especially I love when women dress as Axel or Slash. I mean, those are very popular costumes, and that was another one of the reasons why I think making the GNR podcast ma- makes sense is because it's not just a, a band. It's a costume. I mean, these are characters. These are larger than life, and see what you guys are doing. There are people who are, you know, let's go to... You know, Trek, you know, like Star Trek, their own little Star Trek conventions, sure. or, you know, minus the Comic Con, they'll, they'll, like, they'll do their own thing. Uh, so, how did you, like, so when you said you started to get, like, more, like, more noticed, that was that just with, um, like, with, like, your fan base? Because I know you were name dropping some people before that, that noticed you. Yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was just gradual in terms of, I mean, the gigs that we had at the beginning and we were playing in, you know, pubs, very, very small bars and, you know, anywhere that we could play, we would play. And now we have more, more flexibility and, you know, we're, we're looking for the bigger gigs and we're, we're trying to find, you know, I mean, we still feel it's pretty surreal to be able to play at some of these places that we're playing, like the Paramount yeah. on Long Island, June 1st, by the way. Starland Ballroom, Starland June Ballroom, 22nd. June 22nd, yeah, Jones and Beach. For people who, and again, we, I know we have listeners everywhere, but the way GNR fans are, this goes to the hyper nerd, there are people that will fly out to Iceland where they're playing or different countries to do that. So the Paramount, uh, if you want to make a trek, you know, not just for Appetite for Destruction, it's one of the best. Uh, Great intimate venue. For, I, th- yeah. I forgot what what major publication named it. It was just one of the best in America. Mm, yeah, yeah. Poster, um, I think, right? Poster. What, what, that sounds about right. Yeah, like number five so. in the world or something. Yeah, like the, that? the fifth busiest, the fifth, you know, the fifth most business in the in in the world. Right? It wasn't yeah. just the country; it was the world. I think that's yeah. that's impressive, and it's it's great for us. No, it's it's beautiful. I'm just who I saw. I saw Danzig there. That was the most recent concert that I saw. And then Starland Ballroom. We, uh, that's where I saw uh, Velvet Revolver. Yeah, and that's that, that's in the middle of nowhere, which is a cool venue. But I'm glad it was in the middle of nowhere because that's when Slash and Duff were signing autographs behind. Oh man, that's yeah. You can't beat that. Yeah. No, no. I still have the the GNR shirt. It was my favorite GNR shirt, but I don't want to wear it with the faded Slash <laughs> and Duff uh, autographs on it on my wall. Yeah, you know what actually helped us, Dan just mentioned this to me, when we, um, was it the, uh, I'm not sure if it was the Paramount show, yeah. or it was the Paramount show that um, Stephen Colbert mentioned us on air. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Okay. That was big. That um, uh, there was some, was it a Ticketmaster? Yeah, um, Ticketmaster they were refunding yeah. Ticketmaster because there was, there was a, a lawsuit. Ticketmaster, a Ticketmaster, lawsuit. yeah. Yeah. Was taking money, extra fees that they shouldn't take. And uh, then they refunded to their customers, offering them free tickets to other shows. And so Stephen Colbert is like, here are some of the shows you can go see. And he's like, you can go see a cheesy Guns N' Roses tribute band at Gramercy Theater. Some of the concerts they're offering in New York City include a Black Sabbath cover band, a Rolling Stones cover band, and a Guns N' Roses cover band. What gives Ticketmaster? If I want to see a lame Guns N' Roses cover band, I'll go see Guns N' Roses. (laughs) 
Max Black Sabbath. Max, Max Sabbath. Max Sabbath. The guys Max. who dress up like yeah. McDonald's characters and do Black Sabbath. I want to yeah. see that. Have you ever played with Max Sabbath? No, no, no we have not no. yet. No. No. Oh, and Tragedy. Yeah, we, we did play with Tragedy. Oh, that's yeah. the, uh, the Bee Gees. Yeah. Are they yeah. Uh, like the metal Bee Gees? Yep. Yes. Oh, I've heard metal, so many yeah. great things about They're them. They're pretty sensational. We just yeah, did a gig good. with them at the Capitol Theater. That was there. They were a fun summer. bunch. It's a little androgynous and lovely. It's great. See, that's what I, I like, too. It's the creativity that goes into the, the bands that and the music that we know and love that, that come from fans. It's not coming from management. It's not right. coming from Live yeah, it's Nation. Not, it's, it's not a corporate think tank uh, right idea. right? Exactly. It's a fan think tank, and that's what we are. That's what we want. And you're giving us legitimate experience because, again, you're not you know, uh, sorority girls up there just singing Sweet Child of Mine. It's just, but you're bringing the creativity into it. And so all those things, I just think, uh, adds to it. All these these different tribute bands. Yeah, and just trying to preserve the way it was. And that's the one thing we have over the new GNR. It's like, or the, or the recent uh, reunion is, we're dressing like it's 1987. Right. So, you know. Yeah, well, I mean. Not that we're selling more tickets because of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Slash and Duff kind of dress the way they always do, but Axel seems to be, I don't know, like Cher, it's like a different costume every tour. Yeah. I love them, but I, you See, know, you I'm, know not gonna, I'm not going to pile on <laughs> yet. yet. But that's the thing. You know what, though? Now talking about that, that's the thing that I miss a little bit. Because, like, yeah, I've, I finally have seen Axl live in a weather. It was the, the jerseyed Axl Rose with the, the Jerry Rice jersey or um, you know, when he had the, the shorter braids tied back. And he had the what was like the leather long sleeve shirt with the open vest and the, and the crosses come out. He always looked cool. Yeah. And then of course now with I don't know he looks like an outlaw, you know, with like the pre ripped jeans and and the, and the you know like the the fedora kind of hat kind of thing. Yeah, or the hat from the guy the guy from Poltergeist, right? The. Uh... <laughs> I'm thinking yes. like it's like the Kung Lao hat from like Mortal Kombat, you know, yeah, you throw you in. Throw the hat, yeah. So, but to me, that's not the axle I grew up with. So it's still something. Missing in a way. Mm. We've thrown around the idea of of updating a little, and we come to the conclusion: no, no, let's keep it back in the day. <laughs> if you ever, right. you know, because I know you, you said uh, off the air you've done Chinese Democracy once, maybe things like that. You could. I don't know how, how often you do costume changes. Again, I don't know if you're like Lady Gagaing up the, like up there. It's kind of extensive when I have a nice dressing area, but again, <laughs> it's not always as accommodating to be able to run backstage and do all that stuff. But that's but. something that's I feel like I'm missing. But then I think about what to mention D. Snyder again. Do you really want to see these guys in makeup still in their in their fifties dressing up like women? You know how is it? And then you know JJ French is wearing a wig. Does why does it's one thing for you know for for you Mike to wear a wig to look like Duff, but when JJ when you're JJ, why are you wearing a wig? That's weird. Uh, so, like, it, how do we feel about our rock stars aging? And you know that's yeah. something that's tough. It's tough to reconcile sometimes. But they're you know. they're humans. It's 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 right. you shouldn't. It's hard not to judge them for it because that's who we grew up with and that was our first love. But then again, they're human, and that's who they are. And Axel gets more criticism than anybody for the way he looks. I mean, he does, and, it's, it's <laughs> and the way he sounds, yeah, for sure. And it's unfair because he was never fat. No, but he's not. You know, we're talking about dressing. Do I want to see him in bicycle shorts at fifty-five years old or however he is now? No, I don't. 
I don't want to see that just because that's the way he, he used to. I don't know if I wanted to see him that way when he was <laughs> 28 in his prime. Fair, fair yeah. enough. Fair but enough. I'll wear them to be authentic. Right. You know? <laughs> well, not everyone can be Mick Jagger, right? I mean, well, he's kind of the, uh, the exception, right? Everyone else is, uh, you know, age is catching up to everybody. Seems ex- like it. Except yeah. him. And and that's normal. That's why, like with David Lee Roth, just, just shave it. Just, just do what you need to do. Sometimes you just got to shave your head or... You know, dress appropriately, but it's not the band that you grew up with. But again, that's not their fault. It's not like, you know, uh, uh, Mike, you're wearing a Yankee hat. It's not like, I can't, you're going to have what, Paul Neal come out now? You know, he's not <laughs> going to look the same. Or even like Alter, you're going to have Reggie Jackson or Goose Gossage come out now. It's, 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 it's not the same. They're not, they're not still playing. It's different. It's a different uniform. It's the same uniform, but different players. Right. With, well, with, Goose Gossage has become a weirdo. I know, I know. <laughs> Paul O'Neill is great in the booth. Yeah. And uh, Reggie Jackson, he's uh, he still looks good for 72. He is the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> Paul, Paul O'Neill is Drew's favorite player, so I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned him. Nice. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're both wearing uh, Yankee hats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm a Yankee fan as well. Everybody here is. Oh, yeah. good, you're, good. You're, it's Yankee Central over here. Yeah. Oh, glad, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, my favorite was Tino Martinez growing up. Oh, sure. And I will say this because I want this on record, speaking of YouTube, because uh, I will you know, put it in after the fact. I got to find that clip. I am I'm the one that started John Sterling with that whole nickname thing. So I don't know how uh, sports is in other countries, but here, you know, in America, I mean, I don't know if it's America's pastime anymore with football, but this was back in, you know, 1994. No, it was 97. I'm sorry. This was happening in 1997. So uh, we had like, I know this is like a side BS story, but, you know, we're all friends hanging out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So my dad and I had a share of uh, Yankee season tickets, and this is before we were priced out. Of, you know, you have to be super, super famous to, you know, get uh, like up close, you know, eight rows behind the Yankee dugout. That's what we, we had our seats. That's incredible. And I'm not the one to make signs. I mean, yeah, I've grown up a wrestling fan, but I'm not that that guy to make, you know, John 316 sign. I'm just not me. It wasn't me. But for whatever reason, and I would admit if I heard this anywhere else, uh, you know, again, Tino was my favorite player. I'm like the great Bam Tino. I'm, I had just watched The Sandlot. I'm the great Bambino. Oh. <laughs> Who's that? If you remember The Sandlot. Sure. So I was making, a, made a sign with my dad. And I remember like writing like Pix 11 on the bottom of it, <laughs> you know? And my mom was at home taping it on, on the VCR. And when we get to our seats, there's a camera guy, I guess, like on the mezzanine. He has his own little post, you know, where he can have his camera. And, you know, when Tino's first coming up the bat, we're, like, waving at him, getting his attention. And he gives us, like, the one, the finger up, like, you know, one second yeah. a little yeah. bit. So it made it seem like, you know, thumbs up as well. Like, yeah, it's going to happen. Coming, mm-hmm. right. So then Tino comes up, and you see, like, the red light goes on, and that's when he gives the thumbs up. And we're holding up the sign, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, again, this was before, like, really the internet, anything like that. It was right. an instant. We come home and we're watching it, and my mom's like, "You guys were on TV. Like, what do you mean? Like, were we in the background again? Like, like wrestling? Anything? Would you have like a million signs? No, they focused in on us. Speaking of, you know, great Yankees, the, the late great Bobby Mercer, mm. sure. uh, said, "Wow, the great Bamtino. Hey, how about that one, Bamtino? I like that. Instead of Bamtino, yeah, very good." Well, you see some very creative signs at the ballpark. Oh. <laughs> nice. So you precede John Sterling when it comes to this. So two weeks later, 
Uh, and this is all, the video is now on, on YouTube. So two weeks later, uh, Tino hits his 40th home run of the year. And this was the first time John Sterling said the great Bam Tino. And the next day, speaking of radio, we were talking uh, you know, about Howard Stern with, uh, with Dan. You know, we used to work in the Howard Stern show. Uh, this was with Mike Francesa, who is making his return to New York radio. Put my mic on! On the studios of W. Yeah, so that's been trending on Twitter. Maybe you, you've read about it on, on, on Deadspin. Big fans. Big fans. Yeah, yeah if oh, you read it on about Deadspin or any of that. So Mike Francesa, one of the most legendary, you know, quote-unquote legendary uh, sports uh, um you know, sports guys, sports radio hosts in in the country, really, retired. You know, he went on a whole year-long goodbye tour, but now he's coming back. Year and a half. <laughs> year, year and a half. So he's coming back. A, a four-year, a four-month retirement he had. So this is when Mike and the Mad Dog was still here. And they were making fun of it. Like, Great Bamtino, you know, Russo's voice. Like, that's so stupid. You know, like, you're not such a good way. It was just making fun of him. And then my dad tried calling up, saying it was my 13-year-old son, my 14-year-old son that did it. I don't even think they let him on the air because I'm sure they thought he was bullshitting. Mm. And then that's kind of where it stayed, Great Bamtino. Tino leaves. So I think he went, that's when he went to St. Louis. And then they got uh, Jason Giambi. And then he shoehorned the great Giambino. Because everyone loved the Bamtino, and then that's where it snowballed. Ah, Started now, making out okay, all these okay. nicknames. So, again, I mean, if you're a baseball fan, John Sterling, I think he's 80 years old. He is. He's come up with all these different nicknames for every players or a different saying. They're all stupid. <laughs> uh, like you know, an A Rod for A Bomb, a Jeterian swing, or the Italian saying for Giancarlo. That got a lot of. You know, backlash. Yeah, so it these was... are things that are trending, not just in our own little New York Yankee world. Now, I'm trying not to be too regional now. Uh, so it all started with me and Bam Tino, and the video is on YouTube. I, it took us a while to find the, uh, the tape of it, and we mentioned Conan. Before. You found it. We found it, so it's. I put it on YouTube, and it's funny. It was on the same tape we mentioned Conan before, right? Yeah. Uh, Conan O'Brien back in the day did one show that was all kids. Like, all the audience were, were kids, and my brother was in that. Oh, that's awesome. So it was on the same tape as that, and it took us a while to find it. So, God, every time John Sterling, I'm like, God, it's my my name. I want to be like <laughs> Trump and just, like, you know, patent pen it. That's so, right, yeah. I want to copyright it. Why don't you say it? What is that? What, well, how would you encompass this? <laughs> what would you say to Susan? That's baseball. Exactly. That's baseball. Andrew, That's baseball. Andrew, Susan. Yeah, Andrew slash Izzy is just like some. You seem not to be a fan. You're like you're, are you holding back anger. No, no. Okay, no, not at all. Because all right. I hold back anger whenever I I want the. You know the originality. I don't know. I want, I want credit where credit is deserved. So I want that. So that's my you, little. You deserve royalties as far Thank as I'm you. concerned. Yeah. Sorry. So I wanted that I at least to be that. said on some sort of you know outlet. So I, I, he's, I, he's obviously a hack who stole your idea. Yeah. I, I, I I'm with you. I tried tweeting Michael <laughs> K, who never responds. Uh, you know. Well. We're friend, like we said, we're Francesca guys, not K guys. <laughs> so, so anyway, I don't even know like where we were, like how we got uh, off on this uh, on this tangent. That might not make the final cut. I'm Tangents just going to go good. on a limb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you've come across some big names in some big arenas, because I know we were talking about Dizzy Reed before, uh, off the air, and that's someone who has been great. He's been, it's been cool. Like it's cool when you see. And you'll see that sometimes with tribute bands, like certain members of like the actual band would go on stage 
with them and participate. I think that's awesome for, of course, the fans uh, uh, in the audience and and for the band, you know, the tribute band, because it's like, wow, we're this is kind of like a stamp of approval. So Paradise Kitty has had that kind of stamp of approval, and you guys have have had that as well. Well, we uh, were joined by Dizzy uh, about a year and a half ago out in Long Island. He was playing a show with Hookers and Blow, and and we were opening for them. Uh, we it was sort of touch and go. We didn't know if he would agree to come on stage with us. And uh, lo and behold, we get the news shortly before we go on. Yeah, Dizzy's going to come up and do Civil War with you guys. Uh, so it was a terrific experience in every capacity while we're on stage and uh, light bulbs flashing like we were uh, the paparazzi was all out to see us. And uh, that's kind of where the pleasures ended. And then the emails of thre- threatening, <laughs> take those videos down. Yeah, so this, is, yeah. this is what, this is January of 2017, right? Yeah. Is this, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is, there was rumor shit you know, going around at that point, but it was all just like a swirl. Nothing was really confirmed yet. We knew, I think there was a couple of weeks before the Coachella thing, before Slash was sharing GNR stuff on social media. and Something was coming, but nothing had been confirmed yet. So one of the things we joked about, which we never got a chance to really directly ask him, ask Dizzy is, hey, what's what's going on? Who's involved? What's 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 the reunion scoop? But we settled to have uh, to have him jam on a, on a Civil War with us, which it was it was surreal. It was very cool. Did you but, talk to him before, after? But like, what, and what was the the YouTube taking it down? Like you, you I'm, it's no, down it was it now? was his management. Uh, you know, you live in the world of cell phones and everybody's filming everything. So. Uh, the club owner was on our ass, like, you got to take this down. Dizzy and his people want this video down. And I can only speculate that Izzy's very, very concerned about what his boss thinks. And we know who the boss is. Sure. Uh, so we were tasked oh, with trying. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Can I jump in and elaborate on this one? A sure. Bit? Yeah, of course, Dan. Yeah. So, so I did a, uh, so I obviously used my phone and I videoed this one. And I got great wide shots. I got great close-ups. And I took a... Uh, I took my single iPhone video and edited it with like zooming in and out and back and forth to actually look make it look like a multi-camera shoot. Nice. And I put that up on YouTube and uh, Blabbermouth picked up on it and it exploded oh. on Blabbermouth. And of course, you know, false speculation, you know, people making, you know, stupid comments, this, that, the other thing. Right. It got huge. That's how it immediately overnight got huge, huge recognition, recognition within the rock community. And then somebody actually... It got knocked down because it was a fault. Somebody made a false copyright claim. Somebody who had nothing to do with the song actually asked YouTube to take it down because they were the publisher, publishing owner of the song Civil Wars, which they did not. And I won't, I guess I shouldn't mention who it was that took that down, but through the channels, and, had not, and it, when it wasn't Dizzy, um, but through the channels, I uh, said, you know, this, makes, this actually knocked out my entire YouTube account. Oh. So uh, I said, I got word through to the person who took this down thinking that they were doing the right thing on Dizzy's behalf, even though it wasn't their position to do that, mm-hmm. and uh, had them rescind their claim to the copyright. And I said, as soon as I see that pop back on and my account goes live, I will then turn it into a private video so that the public can not view it. Because you know, because them trying to do the right thing for somebody else when it wasn't their position to do so made my YouTube account look bad. That's just insanity to me because you're, you know, you're a tribute band, a member of Guns N' Roses just joins you. Yep. It's not like you're, it's not an unreleased song. It's not a studio version. It's just a great moment. And just to take that down and, and uh, I don't know, it sucks for you guys. I mean, <laughs> you had your publicity for a little bit, but. I mean, why, why can't it just be that? Uh, uh, 
throwing the little people a bone, us being the little people. It was like Did the, he gets on stage? We'll talk about this forever, but no, everybody's concerned that Axel's going to get wind of this and not be happy with Dizzy doing that. That's, that's well, like, problematic. Like anything else, like any other um, social media or you know, YouTube-ish thing, I mean, one of the things we've learned over the years is the last thing you should do is read the comments. So when, when, yeah. when, <laughs> so when, when the blabbermouth thing hit and then you know, and, you know, the, the New York Times contacted us and, and Newsday, a lot of different wow. outlets you know, called yeah. us for comments about, um, you know, about GNR. But one of the things that, um, oh, I mean, one of those common threads in the, in, the, um, in the comments were how great Rob was, which was, which was pretty cool. Awesome. <laughs> Usually it's just you know, trolls, but... The, but Oh, I forgot where, but the point that I was trying to make, but it was, it was, it was, yeah, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was getting at. I, I missed what, uh, say that again. Yeah. So it was actually, it was actually the negative comments that knocked that, that prompted them to knock down the video rather than the fact that they were just performing the song with oh. Dizzy because you know, everybody say, oh, they should, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, this guy's better than Axel ever was. Oh. And now uh, they should have him in the new band instead of Axel. And, I don't believe you, Axel. You know, people on the internet, you know, one was, you know, my shaky hand on the camera, you know, what was this guy pleasuring himself while he was filming it? Which I was because I love these guys. But, you know, that's completely besides the point. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I guess I get it in, in, in a weird way because if they're relaunching this band reunion, they want as much positiveness, you know, around it, publicity. But again, that's I don't know. That's not bad publicity. No. I, yeah, guess, I, I mean, think it's being too cautious. As a very too naive and, and clueless uh, person outside of the real music business and industry, I can only assume that you know Dizzy is uh, you know concerned that it's going to affect his meal ticket somehow. And that, you know. <laughs> well, I think we all understand that. Yeah, the yeah. boss is always watching. Right, exactly. And you never want to, I mean, he's right. he's made it work for a good 25 years. That's what I was, 30, I, I, I so I don't know now, what he was worried about. That's where I was, I was going with the fact that, oh, Dizzy is playing with tribute bands now? Oh, shit, things have really turned bad for him. That's that's where I was oh. going with that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, mm. yeah. It, mm. People were just making something out of nothing yeah, when it was just exactly. uh, a great moment. It was moment. just a great, great moment. Are you? Uh, forgive me for not knowing, is that video up? Are you able to share it now, or is that completely dead? We can share it with you because you're a friend, but it's, <laughs> it's not publicly available from anybody who made the film or did the editing. Somebody else might have snatched it from YouTube and reposted it. If they did, I don't know where it can be found, but you can see it. Okay. Unfortunately, the rest <laughs> of the listening world will have to there come are over videos. to my house individually and audition for the right to see it. <laughs> this is just like... Ladies. Even the, the, the tribute band of Guns N' Roses has all like things you can't see mm-hmm. and unreleased things. It's just... It, it never ends. We exude... It's just... We exude controversy because <laughs> our personalities, you know, part of who we are. So, I know this isn't, uh, isn't uh, the Kiss uh, Axel Rob's Ass podcast, but if I could just... Uh, Give another uh, example of his greatness, Rob. So uh, I don't know. No, no. I met Rob. In, <laughs> you know, no, this is a great comp. So I, I met Rob in like 2006. Mm-hmm. Like we met. I was doing this uh, live band karaoke thing um, at a bar in the city, and Rob would show up, and he would just belt out his Guns and Roses to leave. After the second one, we spoke, and and um, I said, you know, I do these uh, song parodies for a pretty well-known radio show. And uh, we should get together. I could definitely use your accent voice if you don't mind, you know, singing my change lyrics to make the songs perverted and about Robin Quiver's breasts and other parts uh-huh. of her body. You know, we can make some outstanding music. Yeah. So, uh, like, day, like two days later, we recorded uh, a parody of Welcome to the Jungle. The day after that, it gets handed to Howard. The next day, he plays it on the air. 
And Howard's like, I don't think Dan found the guy that sounds like Axl Rose. I think Dan's got Axl Rose chained up in his basement <laughs> and only lets him out to sing about Robin's breasts. I got to put that, I want to attach that to uh, to the episode. That's, I'm, is that still, oh, that's a, probably a Howard exclusive thing, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, you might be, again, you might be able to find it okay. on YouTube. I can't, I have a contract or had a contract oh, sure. or anything that I, anything that I produced for the show is their property and I don't have the right to rebroadcast, post, distribute, et cetera, because it's theirs. They're Without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that ties everything in together. Well played. I, I like know, that. I'll try to put it And on. also about the secret society, guys, thanks for not exposing the Tribunati. <laughs> Otherwise, you guys might get thrown out of it. Well, I was going to deflect that. Yes. It's, no, I don't know. I don't know anything about this cosplay. Well, all these things, you know, these are things that, you know, who knows, people can potentially find, and these are just cool things that you guys have been a part of. I guess that, you know, in addition to just what you've been doing for 20 years, these are just cool, uh, cool little uh, pocket moments that you've been a part of, whether or not they're available to the rest of us or, or just cool experiences for you guys. And I think it makes it well worth it. You know, and again, uh, in addition to just playing these great clubs and getting well received and uh, just these awesome memories that you can take with you and. I don't know. Brag to your to, brag to your kids about your. Do you, what do your kids think about you being a, in a GNR cover band? Do you guys have kids? Are you are you guys all sterile? I have three kids. He's yeah, got two kids. He's got two kids. Yeah, I've, I've got two cats. Two cats. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. I've just started bringing my kids to the shows. They've they they came to the Paramount show last year, and they they're at varying ages where they're the uh, the. <laughs> The effect is a little different on each of them. Like the thirteen-year-old was with her friends and looking around. Why are all these people taking pictures of my dad? <laughs> that was the one reaction. The middle one um, was, "We're like, oh my god, I want to do that you know, when I'm older." And the little guy was just like falling asleep. He's like, "I just want to go home. I don't care what's going on here." Yeah, my little guy doesn't understand the difference between appetite for destruction and Guns N' Roses because <laughs> he just sees the pictures of us, our videos, and stuff like that on YouTube. So he, you know, hears like you know, I think they had commercials for Guns N' Roses on last year. He's like, wow, Daddy, you're on TV. <laughs> like, Do you play it up? Do you say, yeah, Daddy? You know, or... Well, uh, I don't say anything because I don't uh, want to mislead him. But uh... You don't want to say Santa Claus not, is not real yet? Yeah. <laughs> Guilt <What>? by admission. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, breaking news. Oh, my God. <laughs> what about uh, you know, your, your significant others? Has that been uh, a cool uh, thing for them? Or has that just been, you know, hey, it's just my... My guy playing with the fellas. What has that been like? Yeah, well, I think it's it's lost its luster with my wife. I mean, she used to come to all of our shows. Now it's just like go do your thing and and, and no, my have fun. my wife loves it. Yeah, Guns N' Roses is her favorite band. See, when they're playing, these guys are on stage, so I can tell you better than them. Their women are so smitten with them yeah. when they're on stage playing, and they're in the audience watching. There's just like that look of renewed love in their eyes. <laughs> They're like, okay, so he didn't take out the trash, he doesn't put the seat down, and sometimes he comes home smelling like strip club perfume, but look at him, he's a rock star. <laughs> that's so cool. No, that's, that is awesome. Because, like, I don't know, if some of you can say, like, what you do for your, I don't know, your Clark Kent life, you know, what you do, and is, is it a dual life for you, or is this all part of the who you are? Is this all, you know, it's all John. You know whether you're you're half this during the day and then at night you're a superhero. Yeah, well, well I do. I'm um, I'm in publishing. I'm in magazine publishing. A very uh, you know somber dying industry at at the moment. Hey, but I'm yeah, I'm in radio. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. When when my coworkers, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of coworkers come to see shows. And yeah, that's, like that's stuff there's too. There's definitely the the Jekyll and Hyde, you know, Clark Kent thing about it that uh, they give me a good uh, you know a good laugh about. It. It's pretty cool. 
Because, like, for me, you know, I introduced myself as Brandon. That's, you know, my my Hebrew name. I don't know. Uh, but then <laughs> Brando just sounds cooler on the radio. And I'm not, like, just saying just to say it, but over years, uh, you know, girls like saying Brando. I've, I've corrected them. Like, no, I like Brando. I'm, I'm not going to correct them, whatever. But it's, like, a weird thing for me. It's, like, a weird duality. And I've often used the analogy, what am I, Axel? What am I, Cher? What am I, Bono? I'm not this one-named person. So I always felt silly a little bit. But So I've had this weird duality thing, and that's just being on the radio. I don't have – I don't see fans in front of me. You know, when I get these messages on Facebook, you know, and just like with you, John, when you first reached out, I mean, that means a lot to me. I'm like, I feel like I'm just – like, who's listening to me? Even when right. I've been on FM stations, I'm just say, saying some, some corny joke, playing music. It doesn't – like, who – like who? Like who's gonna care? You know. So I don't know if there's ever that. I mean, you guys have been doing it for twenty years, so you know guys care. People care. Well, we still we all deal with that kind of. You well, know, like, yeah, the yeah. medium, the medium. You know, you have instant or no gratification right off the bat if they think you suck, right. which we've never really had that experience. But cool. I, I understand what you're saying. Like right. you're behind the mic. It's either you're gonna have ratings or you're gonna have comments, and you have to wait till after to find out if that's sure. if you've done good work. So. Believe me, I, I get the difference. So, it's uh, it's nice to get instant validation, instant, instant gratification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, what human what human doesn't like that? You know, it's, after it's, a song ends it's, and it's quiet. <laughs> oh well, it's because you guys won't stop noodling around and just go because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know where to cheer sometimes that's right see that's yeah. the cool thing when I announced you know I like to announce guests and, and get questions and you know kind of hype it up and I just didn't know like hey this, this tribute band's coming on you just never know what people might say I never know what, what guest even like Johnny Kelly last episode like people might not I don't know like typo negative was like a Brooklyn New York you know, yes, they were famous, but that's the like, where they were from. Would people not care? Would people say, "Hey, stick the Guns N' Roses"? I don't get that. With the tribute band, I, I had no idea what, what people would say. A lot of just awesome and loving comments that I, I got, and people wanted to to hear your story. Especially, I was wowed when you uh, when you guys posted on your Facebook that you've been doing it for twenty years. I mean, and now, I'm like, wow, it's I know I had seen them like a while ago, but. 20 years is a long time to do anything and to be successful 20 at 20 years it. and we're still in our early 40s, which is... <laughs> right? And, and to be successful at it. I mean, you could just be doing it, playing your friend's backyards or, you know, your cousin's bris or, or something like that. But right. you're bridal playing. showers. Yeah, we've, right. we've, we've actually done bridal showers before. Sure, you can be just be doing that. Like, I have comedian friends that are still playing basements. I mean, it, it is what it is, but you guys are playing the Paramount, which is legit, one of the best venues in the country. It's it's just amazing to me. Well, I think I, I've learned that, you know, there's, there's the driving force between this is sort of like threefold. I mean, John, Mike, and Sean, our drummer, is not here. They're constantly active in terms of looking for opportunities, and they're, I mean, it's relentless. I'm constantly getting text, and, you know, I'm sure there's a, a thread about them bitching about me when I'm not available and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> really, it allows me and Drew to just sit back and, and just wait for voting time on whatever we want to do, and the three of them just are relentless. They're constantly contacting people. They have things going on. So you always need that as an artist in self-promotion and to look into what's going on, and, and, and we have that threefold in this band, so that's been super helpful. So I don't know how the guys got this gig, but they had a gig like two hours outside of Buffalo. Was that Olean? Is that Olean? Olean, New York. Olean, New York. The venue, like the size of like three airport hangars. Like, <laughs> 
plugged together. And it was in the winter when Buffalo was getting like six feet of snow. And people drove four, five, six hours to come see this guy. The house was packed. They did uh, like a VIP acoustic set like upstairs in a small room. And then the main stage. And they played every song in the book. And and the place was just going crazy. I think that says something, just a uh, testament to not just Guns N' Roses music itself, but the quality that you guys are playing it. The, the, that, that's it's, that's insane. You know, there are a lot of GNR fans out there, and yes, we just got to get out there. That you know, once they hear Axel Rob, you know. Well, I trust John. I trust John implicitly. The other guys, you know, kind of. <laughs> so when you have that trust between the singer and the lead guitar, you know, it's going to be solid. Gold. I don't know. That was just sort of bullshit. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, it's true. It's, it's, I mean, you guys can all compliment Rob, and I have too, but it's the whole band. Because especially GNR fans, they will scrutinize every single note yep. that you guys are playing. And I've never heard mumblings of any kind of complaint. And I'm, like, working the crowd, and I'm taking pictures, and I'm just hanging out, and I'm the most critical of of uh, any music that I hear. If somebody is playing, you know, doing tribute of another band or covering another band's song, and oh, you know, he, they kind of got the feel of the song, but the, the guitar solo wasn't dead on, or the Stones band, you know, the sax player played the, the solo in the right place, but it wasn't the exact same notes as in Brown Sugar, you know, which which is really what makes the song, is, is nailing those beautiful notes that, what was his name, Danny Keys did, and you never hear a complaint from anybody about it not sounding like guns. And and that's the thing. You got you hear these guys play and it's because I got Axel Rob chained up in my basement. I only let him out to play gigs. <laughs> the good he thing about my well. wife go to the There's show. There's a lot of steak. A lot of steak involved. <laughs> my wife goes to the show and, you know, she's just standing out in the audience and she gets to hear what people say. And the best compliment she heard last year is she's she heard a couple of people talking. She's like, Are they lip syncing up there? She's like, is that is that a CD they're playing? Like, is that really them? That's great. So if she's listening to that's that, a great compliment. she's like, yeah, that's a compliment for sure. That's so cool. No Millie Vanilli, though. <laughs> we're, we're For the right price, we'll do anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's the topsy-turvy world. We'll negotiate. So for the right yeah. price, you'll have, wear uh, ashless chaps, Axel Rob? It's, like, I'm, I'm this close to it <laughs> please, already. Please. The bicycle shorts are enough. Come the bicycle on. shorts <laughs> and a white biker jacket? I mean, Are you uh, spinal tapping yet? A little bit, you know, with uh, their amps go up to eleven. No, I'm talking about what um, what's his face from The Simpsons? What uh, Harry Shearer? What he did in uh, uh the pickle and the yeah, the cucumber wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> That's what? not so far. Let me just okay. say it's not so far fetched. Okay, not so far. It kept beeping when he was going through the uh, the airport, and he finally pulled it out of his pants. Do you have any artificial plates or limbs? Mm, not really, no. All I'll say is it was impromptu, and a sock doesn't work as well as a. Cucumber may have. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. If I could just throw out one more quick yeah. story. Yeah. And uh, a testament to how great how great they sound. So uh, a producer, executive producer of the Howard Stern Show, um, really active in his kids, uh, you know, supporting his kids' sports teams and stuff like that. And uh, I heard him talking to somebody about uh, about their practice facility and its nickname being the Junkyard. So uh, he would never ask me to do something like outside of the radio show, but I was like, look. I got to get the guy that does, you know, the Guns N' Roses parties for us and have him do, like, Welcome to the Junkyard, mm-hmm. you know, for them. And uh, if they have, like, an end-of-year, like, thing, like an awards dinner or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, if you don't mind, you know, next time you're recording something for the show, you belt that out or whatever. So every single parent went up to him and said, 
how on earth did you get Axl Rose <laughs> to sing for our football team? And, and then when he tried to say that it was impersonator, they, nobody would accept it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't believe him. Like, oh, you're just saying that because, you know, the same reason why we took down the, uh, the video about, uh, with uh, Dizzy playing with them, you know, because Axl didn't want to be known as a guy singing for, uh, for the Greenwich, Connecticut, you know, 10-year-old football team's <laughs> awards dinner. <laughs> That's beneath him, I guess. No, Axl was a hard voice. I mean, there, as, you know, over time, you know, we have all these, you know, American Idol and The Voice and The Four and all these things. There's so many people with a great voice. We're oversaturated, I think. But the uniqueness of Guns N' Roses, of Axl Rose's voice, of Axl Rob's voice is so rare. So to be, you know, on point on his voice, it's, it's, it's difficult. And not to sound like you're, you know, doing a parody of it. Like me, you know, in the car trying to, you know, swing. I can't do it. I'm sound like <laughs> I'm stepping on a ferret. You know, like everyone tries, you know, to do the Axl Rose voice, and it always sound, comes out like you're just being silly about it. But to do it genuinely, and to have Howard Stern think you have Axl Rose locked in your basement is, you is, know, uh, it's a testament to your your skills. Well, I, I I don't I can't speak to whatever people think as far as how well it's done. I, I just enjoy doing it, and when you're just, your mother's a music teacher and you're running around your house, you know, singing all the time, and, and this band comes into your life, you just you just sing it sort of as a joke when you're younger, and if you just keep doing it, it becomes ingrained in your head. Uh, it, I'm not saying that means you're going to be good at it, sure. but it's just uh, you hear it at a different level than... Other people may hear it, and you know you try to mimic it the best you can. That's I gotcha. All. And just as important as the vocals, every musician that scrutinizes other musicians playing the music of other musicians say anybody can learn the song note for note. But yeah. What's important and what makes it authentic is they don't just learn the notes; they capture the tone, mm-hmm. and that is the most important thing of all in making it sound authentic, and that's the combination of of your playing technique, your equipment, getting everything fine-tuned just right, and just getting that, so you could isolate each instrument, and it would sound like that person, that uh, the original artist playing in the studio when they were recording it. That's what made GNR, GNR, at least the Appetite 5, it's, you know, Axel got great musicians. I mean, I like every member, past, present, future, who, who knows, because he gets great people to do it. No, Bumblefoot did a great job. Mm. Bucket is incredible, but it's a certain tone that comes with those songs. That that's why I I left those, you know, shows at at the Roseland Ballroom. It's like I saw a great show, but I didn't see Guns N' Roses, mm. and that's how I felt. And it, you know, I don't like saying that because again, I like all of the members. And it's not taking. He gets a great. He gets great musicians. Whether it, it's Frank, it's Brain, it's I, I like it. But there's just something about again. The tone, in addition to just getting all the notes right, it's more than that. And I'm not a musician, so and I can tell. And that's the one way, like, replacement players kind of make it their own, even if they have to play it note for note. But what they will do that makes the difference is they use their own signature tone. And it's not only one great tone. I mean, Eddie Van Halen tone and Slash tone are completely different, and they're both amazing tone, and they're unique to the artist. And, like, if you hear, you know, Buckethead play a solo when he's with Guns 
or Ron Thaw, Bumblefoot. Mm-hmm. Again, they're playing the notes that everybody wants to hear, but with their signature tone, these guys play the signature tone of the original artists, and that's what makes it sound so authentic. And that, yeah, the best comparison I can give is like the Eddie Van Halen tune. A million guys can play Eruption. Every guy that bought a guitar from 1978 on <laughs> can play Eruption, but to be able to replicate the tone is what's key. The same way as the tone in Rob's voice. Sure. Is key to it sounding. The tone in these guys' instrumentation. It's just the most important thing in the world. Like, Johnny spends a lot of time on his tone. You know, he's got the slash head. And the only guy that comes close to your replication of his tone is uh, the Eddie Van Halen guy from... Uh, he used to be I can't hear you, John. You need your mic. He was in the... You. Sorry. Yeah, he was, yeah he John was the and Dan are sharing the mic. He jumped, yeah. the other, he jumped to the other one. Yeah. Right. Uh, Unchained, right? right? Unchained, yeah. yes. Uh, okay, I gotcha. Uh, so any good like G and R stories over the years for you? Any like whether it's a like a show you've been to or was there anything else to Dizzy Reed playing with you? Any anything? Uh, you know, Dizzy could... Reed was fun because we got to uh, well we wanted to meet him. We just you know we're a bunch of fanboys when it comes down to it. We, you know we want to meet the guys in G and R. You know so Dizzy Reed we got to go down there and after the show we saw him play and afterwards like all right let's go meet him and he like disappeared. I'm like, Where the hell is he? So me and John just decided to hang out outside the. What, his I give room? Mike all the credit for yeah. outside his dressing room for a couple of hours, and like he's still not coming out. Let's let's walk in, and just walk back in there, and there he is, just talking with uh, with uh, Johnny some, Kelly and some Alex lame-ass security, Alex Grossi, and they're phrase. just in there talking, hanging out. So we're like, oh, we'll hang out too. <laughs> so we just started there, just talking, and you know, they're just talking like a bunch of normal guys. We're like, wow. Yeah, Dizzy yeah. got a nice picture well, they, with Dizzy. They uh, also, before I joined the band, they opened for Gilby. Okay. Gilby, yeah. Gilby yeah, yeah, we opened twice, for Gilby twice. twice yeah. Twice. How was that experience? That was fun. Yeah, he was he was very cool. We met him a couple of times after after, after the gig. That was a lot of fun. John was in contact with him. He uh, he was supposed to jam with him, but uh Yeah, we were I mean, he was, you know, responding to emails. I mean, I wasn't expecting any, any kind of email response, but he was he was replying back to emails. I'm like, "Hey, you want to come up and do and do a Guns tune?" But which was probably a foolish thing to ask. He's like, "No, let's let's do a Stones tune," which Never ended up happening, but, mm. but that was uh, cool. Don't give up yeah. on that dream. <laughs> no, well, and we won't. have, we were close to. Uh, you played oh, with yeah. Bumblefoot, yeah. I didn't play with him. Didn't he come up with you? No, I did. I did a short-lived uh, uh, weekly residency doing some uh, covers with a different band, non-dress up, so it wasn't a conflict of interest with these guys or anything. <laughs> but uh, a, a guy in the band, uh, he was Sebastian Bach's bass player. Okay, and he. I toured with Guns, and Bumble came out. So I performed in front of Bumblefoot, and he was all too complimentary and very cool. And uh, That's so, great. Yeah, it was, it was nice to rub elbows with the uh, the stars a little <laughs> bit, you know. And so. you left an impression, too, because I asked him about it months later, and he still vividly could tell me how great you were. No, please. And again, stop, it, not, stop, it, stop it, stop it, stop it. we got to shut this down already. <laughs> but, well, yeah, Edit but, this out. But, but I had the opportunity <laughs> to hang with him like three or four times in, in different in different. Uh, circumstances and uh like the first time and we talked about that and then the next time was like oh yeah you're the guy that's the friend with the guy that does the axle voice so <laughs> definitely remembered him and um that's pretty much our my brush with any type of gnr situation but it's always great you know i mean it's i'll cherish it forever <laughs> johnny got a call to play with any gadler right is that what it was uh, what's this yeah but was that um 
Adler, right? At the uh, Crazy Donkey. Yeah. Crazy Donkey. Another, Crazy Donkey. Another no, that's right. Yeah, so uh, Long Island place. Someone in Adler's band uh, broke their hand? Or? Someone broke their hand, and they've yeah. got to call the day of the show. Listen, so, was Adler Dan- needs a... Danny Stanton uh, reached out to... Oh, Danny is the manager of uh, Twisted Sister, right? Yeah. yeah he okay. reached, so his agency reached out to us and said, hey, anybody available to, you know, to do an emergency show with, with Adler? Also, it didn't work out, but we were... <laughs> close. This close. Yeah, we were close. Keep but pushing it. The guy decided uh, last minute, I guess his hand wasn't broken enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you guys have that movie rock star dream where some, you know, you wanted you to be Mark Wahlberg? And, Absolutely. And, and replace. <laughs> <laughs> like Axel, like Axel Rob, did you think uh, you were going to be the next singer for like, Velvet Revolver at some point? I know someone who uh, almost had that opportunity, and uh, that's a secondhand story. Uh, but I'll kind of leave it at that. That's a different entity. But uh, yeah, that would have been fantastic. I would have been far underprepared for that type of environment. And I wouldn't have been the type of person they were looking for. I think you, you start to notice these successful bands. They want people who are already in a level where they can deal with that type of thing. So Fair enough. If, the, if the stars aligned and tapes got listened to and I was considered to be decent enough... I still don't think anything like that would happen. So, but it's fun to dream. It'd be great. Yeah, just like I would even just take a one-off gig, like you know, like um, what's that? Uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. That would be my Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I think I Make-A-Wish. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, minus the cancer. <laughs> Somebody again, Rob's selling himself short as far as like his ability and not being ready to walk into that because even he can sing the actual stuff in the high register, but his natural singing voice is more in that lower register. And like Let's Scott Weiland, like James, Head, you know, J- James Hetfield, uh, Lane Staley. I mean, that kind of stuff he nails too. Dead on. Uh, I, think, I think Rob was on, the closest acts uh, Rob had to be uh, being in Guns N' Roses on April Fool's Day. I think uh, there was a post put on Facebook. Terrible. That, uh, <laughs> he made an announcement. That yeah, Slash was uh, playing at where? Roseland or something like that? I forget. Yeah. And we're like, wow, we're proud to announce that our own Axel Rob will be performing with uh, GNR. That's a nice joke they play. Genius idea. They play on me. Obviously, I know it's not true, but you know the power of Facebook. All your friends start messaging you. Oh, is this real? Is this real? Yeah, pranks are a big part of this this tribute world we live in, too. Nice. Nice. It's so funny how gullible we are. We all are when we hear something that we want to hear because I fall for April Fool's pranks every year (laughs) because it's something that I want to happen. You know, and I know it's April 1st. I'm not supposed to believe anything anybody says to me. You know, and, and right in the morning, the girl that I'm with tells me that I look great. You know, so I, so I, you know and I believe her for a second. You know? It's like, hey, we checked the calendar. Right. But yeah, I fall for those things all the time if it's good news. That's cool. So uh, the website is appetiteforddestruction.com or... And that's, it's uh, GNRtribute.com. Okay, forget, yeah. okay forget, that's why I ask. I should have oh, been more prepared. Thanks, yeah. yeah. We, we tried getting appetiteforddestruction.com, but apparently somebody had it 20 years ago. Twenty years ago, when the when the web was was uh, in its infancy, yeah, dial fa- fairly new. Yeah, we were all doing the TCP/IP and all. Yeah, yeah. And okay, all thing. Mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, but, so, and you're, uh, Facebook and Twitter as well, right? Yeah, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. But GNRtribute.com's got all the all the links there. But June first, Paramount. That's our uh, our main. Uh, and everybody will invariably confuse us with the other Appetite for Destruction, which is uh, a new and yeah, North Carolina based entity that does quite well and travels a lot. But we're the you know uh, okay. we're the northeast. We're the northeast one. Right? I got gotcha. you. You're the northeast chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. 
I like it. I never so, had a problem with that. And, and you're doing the giveaways, right? For the celebrate. Is that what I read on, on your Facebook? Yeah, yeah. I can tell you 20 years. We're just, uh, you know, we're celebrating 20 years of doing this. So we're, uh, you know, for the month that's coming up, we got uh, the shows at uh, Paramount to actually celebrate the 20 years and Starland to celebrate the 20 years. You know, going to give away tickets, t shirts. Uh, the first thousand guests stickers. get Mike bobbleheads. Mike bobbleheads? Yes. Oh, right. actually, yeah. So. Brando, we actually brought this uh, for you. This is uh, yeah, the first, first giveaway. giveaway. First a little, giveaway. Uh, oh, wow. little appetite swag here. I Wow. Is, uh, Thank you. It's, uh, it, may look, it may look a little familiar. Yeah, uh, I'm jealous. Our model. Yeah, this is for you. I was actually going to ask you about that shirt, so thank you. No, wow. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm going to rock that. And stickers. Oh, I'm definitely going to wear and, appetite stickers. Sure. And plaster. Thank you very much. I like it. Very, we have very. t-shirts made up, you know. We uh, you know, change them every couple of years. I some people gorgeous. like to wear them. Some people uh, use them as rags. We don't know. Yeah, no. that's the tongue-in-cheek part, too. But it's pretty cool. Oh, you know, people, people are buying our shirts? How is people this People coming possible? down to the shows wearing the shirts. Like, eh, that's a shirt we sold out of a couple of years ago. So, No, this is going in my, my GNR collection. This will be nice. in my regular awesome. rotation. So thank you very nice. much. I appreciate You're welcome. it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're all super cool dudes. Thank you. Uh, it's been our pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks you for know, having us. Congrats on all your success and continued success. This is just a... Uh, Same to you, man. Just the beginning. Can't wait to hear more of it. Yeah, no, yeah. same thing with you. You know, good luck, more gigs, um, and just hopefully more things to, to come for for all of us. A nice little a big love fest. Big so, DNR family. Right? So yeah. I'm gonna have uh, you guys play us out. Um, and just again, thanks to everyone listening to uh, Appetite for Distortion and of course Appetite for Destruction. Uh, 61 episodes in, could not do this just like for Appetite for Destruction. You could not do this without the fan base. I couldn't have a podcast without the fan base. Uh, so follow us uh, on iTunes, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, we're we're just we're everywhere. Stitcher, of course, uh, uh, of course, uh, Alternative Nation uh, featured on there. Uh, we're looking for podcasts, so we have a lot of uh, cool projects in the future. So be on the lookout for that. So uh, when you guys are already, you guys will you know take us out. And this is Appetite for Destruction. Uh, new Rocket Queen. You know, a, a premier uh, GNR tribute band. So take it away, fellas.
Yowza. Thanks again for, for coming down, guys. That concludes episode 61 of the AFD show. When will you see the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.